that you feel has got people you feel have gone far farther than you insecurity will die among the when when you're sure of of what you carry on your inside and my beloved is the most beautiful among thousands and thousands yes my Among thousands, thousands, and thousands, time in the secret than in the open.
That's a word for someone. Spend more time in the secret. David spent almost never will you forsake me you never leave the one behind never you left the one behind never leave the one behind never leave the one behind your love is unending Favor unending, your love is unending. Hey, your favor unending. Never will you leave me, not forsake me. Never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me. I will not see the wind on the rain. My body shall be filled with water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Messiah. Thank you, Master. Maliko Ravanto Skiabane. Yes, 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 yes. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. 
To God be the glory. Great things He is doing. To God be the glory. Greater things He will yet do. Shalakuman sile ke pola savala. Zebredori ke bandie ke tobozi atadege. Zaleboron dos kile betala. Mantele kora bababantele akaba. Welcome everybody tonight. Come in. We'll be going live with the video in a little bit. Just take a few moments just to worship before the Lord. Take a few moments before we go live with the video. Just connect with your soul before the Lord of your salvation. Pour out your heart to Him. Remind yourself who he is. The rock in a weary place. The one who does not change. Faithful, trustworthy. Ever for us. Malekobala silekebola. Jemuro kaviate. Kabona Sabelo Korea Tavantwa Lako Samante Liko Rovo Urieke Bababa Jesus Jesus Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's welcome everybody. Welcome. Just, just come in, come in and, and just bask in his presence for a few moments. Good to see you, Pastor Tosin. Good to see you, Tony. Natalia. Good to see you, Padge. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kalabomo yadi alohula. Ze kabadi e tomadi. Sabadi e tomadi. Shabari to Jesus 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 
Thank you that you never leave. Thank you that you never change. Thank you that my tears are precious to you. Thank you that you are committed to me. You are committed to me. And in this season of consecration, I commit to you. I commit to you. I commit to you. Someone tell the Lord. You've never left me. I decide I will never leave you. You never leave me. I will never leave you. You never fail me. I will never fail you. Oh, oh, oh. Father, tonight we ask your presence in this place. Manifest your glory. Manifest your wisdom. Manifest your greatness. Lord, tonight would you engineer divine outcomes, divine outcomes. Would men and women meet you at the point of life? Would you send your power and your glory? Heal hearts, heal bodies, heal minds, break yokes, change stories, lift men. Let heaven touch the earth tonight. Let there be a pregnancy of the divine. End the affliction of many. In advance, we give you praise. In advance, we give you glory. In advance, we give you worship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in advance. And because your credit is good with us, we celebrate you. We celebrate you in advance. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands, oh you people. And shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. We lift his name on high. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, Mrs. Okealam. You're welcome been a long time since i spoke to you private joke pastor tunji peniel pastor liz pastor liz is one of my favorite people in the world faith good to see you so like i mentioned yesterday um this week of apostolic emphasis um will be the return of a character that has not been seen for a while that character is called dj rev uh and it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm playing quote unquote tracks it's just a, a chilled atmosphere here online on youtube you know dj rev first manifested during the covid uh lockdown period 
And whenever you see DJ Rev, it means that there is going to be a, you know, uh, just a vibe of God in the room. Um, I'm sat, I'm in my home studio. You know, we don't need to be screaming into a mic for the presence of God to move in supernatural ways and especially not for his wisdom and his revelation to be dispensed. And last night we started off, um, I, I was blessed uh, by the word of the Lord last night. I don't know if I'm the only one. Um, and I'm looking forward to picking up where we left off. Uh, so grab a, grab a glass of water or a cup of whatever you drink, hopefully non-alcoholic. Uh, and let's let the word of the Lord do its work tonight. Let's just surrender to the word of the Lord. Let it build us up and give us an inheritance among the saints. And our lives will never be the same again. Alrighty, let's go. Right, so the theme, first of all, for those of you who do not know uh, what the week of apostolic emphasis is all about. Uh, one second. So the week of apostolic emphasis is a quarterly uh, in-gathering that holds usually for five or six days. Um, and it's really a time, the best way we could put it, uh, a phrase we borrowed from my brother, Apostle Gideon O'Dummer and his ministry, the Fortress Ministry in Jaws. I must confess, this is their their phrase. We've got to give credit where credit is due. But they've been so kind. I, we actually checked with them. They've been so kind to let us borrow it. It's literally five days where we seek the Lord for doctrine and power. Uh, we go into the word of the Lord and we lay a foundation in scripture to understand a principle. Not so we can add it to our notebook and our journal of revelation. But so we then have a foundation to place a demand on heaven for the manifestation of that principle in and through our lives. And this week we are looking at the, at the concept or the phrase, weep not. Also, uh, this quarter, the week of apostolic emphasis is layering with the Passover consecration journey. Uh, consecration journeys in kingdom culture are times of fasting and prayer. Uh, but we don't just not eat or eat less and pray we actually take them as times of consecration in essence we times where we intentionally step away for more and more of everyday life to give ourselves more and more to the pursuit of the face uh, of the lord and so this consecration journey starts on the fifth today so today was the first day of the fast officially and it will end on the 16th of april but for the first few days it will layer nicely with the week of apostolic emphasis in essence from today till the 8th that if i if i'm not mistaken is saturday we will be both laying a foundation in the word but also fasting during the day and taking time to pray when we gather the last two days of the consecration journey are very 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 significant first of all next week saturday not this week saturday next week saturday we'll be gathering in the city of london at uh, the holborn embassy Hubble Missions Base Embassy Building, where we will be having 12 hours of prayer. Uh, and we will be joined on the day in person by my brother, 
Apostle Gideon Adoma to lead us in prayer and lead us into the council of God as well. Uh, but that is 12 hours of prayer is my favorite event in kingdom culture because it's the rawest, the realest, the, the least quote-unquote spiritual makeup. It's just come and run after God with all that you have uh, and, and, and tarry in his presence till there is a shift from on high. And then to end the consecration journey on Sunday, the 16th of April, there will be our first Sunday gathering at the embassy building in Holborn. Uh, and our guest will again be Apostle Gideon Odoma as he brings the word uh, and does what the Lord has sent him to us to do. I'm excited to receive his ministry. I love him as a brother. I honor him as a fellow custodian of the apostolic grace of God. And trust me, it's one uh, thing or one gathering you don't want to miss. Of course, uh, the journey has now completely and utterly cranked up for the Kingdom Culture Summit 2023. And the theme this year is government. November the 8th to December the 3rd, Tuesday to Sunday. Um, everything changes. And we're looking forward to all that God has to pour out for us in this season so please take the dates off your calendar now uh registration will commence uh yeah i said 28th did i say 8th chrissy okay my mistake it's on the screen anyway november the 28th and so uh, registration will be commencing very soon watch this space we'll be giving you information on where and how to register all right let us get to the word of the lord now um our media team is so spectacular i got minister chrissy i did it back with me in the studio tonight everybody say hey chrissy come on in the comment section everybody say hey chrissy or private joke say hey ma'am um thank you chrissy for all that you do i know leave already booked approved that's what i'm talking about yes esther that is the spirit all right and so um our amazing media team has put together a playlist of all this week's um so there is a playlist of this week's week of apostolic emphasis recordings or videos of uh on youtube there is another list that will cover the entire another playlist that will cover the entire consecration season and by consecration season we mean uh both the week of apostolic emphasis till the end of the consecration journey including the forge and the final sunday and so there's another playlist for all of those videos that will be uh put together and then finally there is a master playlist uh of almost all the, the days or the nights of every single week of apostolic emphasis since the very first one in 2020 and so if you if you want to catch up on or remind yourself or if you weren't here then and you missed anyone and you want to follow the curriculum because trust me there is a curriculum uh there is a playlist that will cover all that and so chrissy if we can put all three in the in the description of this video that would be amazing finally before we get to the word of the lord tonight in in uh, dj Ref fashion i'm excited about something um so my birthday is on the 9th of june this year uh i'm finally turning 17. it's been a long time being 16. uh but I'm actually now I'm 2013. It's a long time being 12, like Jesus. But but jokes apart, um, there's three things that I'm looking forward to happening at my birthday this year, and I want to uh, I want to share them with you in advance 
unofficially before the official announcements come. The first is last year, there was an amazing initiative uh, begun by Dr. Jocke and the leadership team here at Kingdom Culture. It was a surprise last year to put together a 24-hour prayer meeting for me. Now, I, I know that sounds dodgy, or not dodgy, but that sounds strange that the best birthday present you could think to give a man was a 24-hour prayer meeting. But if you know me, you know that that by far was the best present I could have had. I loved it. It, I was loved. I felt loved. I, it, it just completely rocked my world. And uh, this year, it's no longer a surprise, but it's coming back. So from uh, from the midnight of, or from the evening, not midnight, from the evening uh, before my birthday. So my birthday's on a Friday this year, from the evening of Thursday into the evening of Friday, there'll be a 24-hour prayer uh, chain, prayer meeting. And on my birthday itself, on Friday the 9th of June, uh, we will be gathering for a night of prayer and worship. It's not open to every single person. So uh, if you're hearing, you're one of the people who it's open to. Uh, but there's going to be a limited amount of space. I'm, I'm assuming we're not going to be able to have space for more than maybe 80 people. Uh, so if you want to be one of those, you better put your name down now. We're going to have a night of prayer and worship to cap off that 24-hour prayer uh, uh, meeting. And I'll also be celebrating with a couple of people who share birthdays that weekend. Pastor Tunja Lujibi, my brother, will be uh, celebrating his birthday three days after mine. He'll be a part of it. My CSO, uh, one of my favorite people in the world. If you know, then you know Dorinda, Minister Dorinda Henkon. Her birthday is actually the day after mine. And so um, we just want to come together and lift an altar to the Lord uh, to cap off that 24-hour season of prayer. And so if you want to be a part of that, send an email right now to contact at kculture.org to put your name down before uh, the registration for that goes live. And also, if you are a pastor, if you are a minister, your kingdom leader, um, I have good news for you. Um, we will be unveiling the beginning of a, uh, a fellowship an alliance, a system uh, that you can belong to for for fellowship, for equipping, for sharpening, for accountability. Uh, it's been on my heart to do something for ministers for years, especially because of the journey I've taken in this walk of ministry. And many of you have, you know, have connected yourselves with me as brothers, peers, some as mentees, sons and daughters, and a handful actually as mentors and fathers and mothers, and you're still part of the system. And so uh, moving on from June this year, we will be putting together something official for you when the process of actually registering it uh, formally uh, with a uh, uh, an organization. That means we can provide you support, we can provide you covering, but if all you're looking for is just accountability and fellowship, we also can provide that as well, but a systematized structure to help you fulfill the purpose and the dealings and the will and destiny of God for your life. Uh, and the final thing is if you're a kingdom builder, you're going to receive a letter over the next 24 to 48 hours. I've written the letter already. It's on its way to you, explaining to you what we've been promising since last year. A structure to invest in your success, in your financial provision, and in your ability to fulfill the mandate of God on your life. And to build influence and fulfillment. I'm so excited. That is perhaps my favorite 
Thank you for everything you have done through the years. Thank you for making sure that we can continue to lift up the banner of God on the platform of this house. Um, I'm so excited to be able to give back to you. Right, so let's get into the word of the Lord tonight. Um, today, the focus is going to be on the concept of tears. Someone say tears. Yes, yes, yes. Ula kunam apalidoma. Woo, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. So let's go to our, um, let's go to our theme for this week that we have been running with. Or should I say the key scripture? If you want to come with me in your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Tony. Today we're looking at the concept of tears. Miranda, good to see you. We're looking at the biblical doctrine of tears the biblical doctrine of tears all right let's get this up and so luke chapter 17 chapter 7 the backstory is this is a woman who's a widow who's lost first her husband and now her only son She's coming out of a city called Nain. Nain means beautiful. She's in a place or a season of her life that is designed or supposed to be a place of joy and beauty. But she's mourning death and devastation. In essence, she's in a place or she's coming out of a place or a season where you would have expected it to be a time of joy and rejoicing or beauty. But life has dealt her a raw deal. And the Bible says that when Jesus came near the gate, the dead man was carried out. And the Bible says the Lord saw her. And we looked at this yesterday and it was a powerful time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, it was an emotional time for many of us, including myself. As we reminded ourselves that the Lord sees us. He, he understands. He becomes an expert. He gets us at a deep level. He had compassion on her. And he said unto her, weep not. Then he sprung into action, touched the briar caused him to arise and delivered him to his mother he finished the job right and so that is the launch pad we've gone on uh, and today we are going to take it a little bit further someone say a little bit further so father we just ask your presence upon your word tonight come in your power and your splendor finish what you started let your glory be even weightier, your power even more readily manifested. Comforter, comfort us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Right, so I want to repeat something I said yesterday. And that was to correct... A true but incomplete doctrine that has been in the body of Christ for a while. And I must confess, this is a doctrine that I myself have been a part of uh, propagating when I look back over the years at which I've preached. And it simply says this, that your tears don't move God. 
only faith does. In essence, that God, while he sympathizes with your crying and your pain, is not moved in any way and can therefore not be provoked or incited into action uh, in response to tears or pain. And I believe I said yesterday that while this is true, it is not the whole truth. In essence, there is not, there's not, it's true in that it itself is part of the truth, but it's not the whole truth. Um, we looked at yesterday the fact that this story of the widow of Nain was told immediately after the story of the centurion. In fact, it wasn't a story that the Bible says, on one day the centurion comes to Jesus and says, come and heal my servant and I'm a man under authority. All you need to do is speak the word. And Jesus says, wow, such great faith. In essence, on one day, on a Monday, Jesus spends plenty of time explaining and uh, demonstrating the place and importance and power and efficacy of faith. And the Bible then says that the very next day, uh, the very next day, the very next day, the day after, as you can see, he went into the city called Nain. And this was when he then shows us the other side of that coin. In essence, I explained that the technology of divine and sovereign compassion is the backdrop or the, the backup, sorry, system to the system of faith and understanding the principles of God. Yesterday, we also looked at some examples of times where God understands we cannot correctly and completely engage the system of faith and that he has made uh, available this amazing backup. Thank you, Jesus. That he has, made, he has made available this amazing backup system by which he can offer an opportunity for divine intervention on the platform of compassion and that while it is still an act of faith that provokes this system it is not an act of faith based on principled action but an act of faith based on the confidence that God loves you and is not impervious to your needs and your pain and so today, I want to deal with the doctrine of tears. And yes, you will not find that phrase in the Bible, the doctrine of tears, I know. But what I mean by that is, I want us to go through the Bible chapter and verse and look at what the Bible has to say about tears, how God responds to them, his opinion of them, and what they can accomplish or not accomplish in the scheme of divine intervention. We're going to look at a few examples of people who cried in the Bible, who wept, and what happens in the heavens when tears are engaged, if anything at all. Now, first of all, I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 30 uh, as a supplementary scripture to Luke chapter 7 for today. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 19. 
Also, yesterday we looked at the fact that when God says weep not, it's not because he just wants you to stop crying to comfort you. It's because it has become the time to, to, to laugh after the time to mourn. And the instruction to weep not is God asking you to give him an atmosphere where he can correct what it is that is making you weep in the first place. That whenever God says weep not, because we will see now that there are times in the Bible that God is very comfortable with you crying. And in fact, he is moved with compassion by your tears. But when it's time to, or when he says weep not, it means he's saying the time for crying is over. Now is the time that I will work to correct that which has made you cry. So Isaiah chapter 30. And if you want to come, let's go there real quick. Chris, if you just help me move between uh, the two screens, that'll be amazing. Um, so Isaiah chapter 30. Let's start from verse 18. Therefore, will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. Now, look at the colon. This is a very interesting verse. Because as I have taught you several times, the, the colon means one, when you have two sentences or two phrases or two sets of words on either side of a colon, the colon is saying one is explaining the other or one is as a result of the other. So the Bible says that he may have mercy upon you, colon, in essence, this is why he will have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Let that sit for a second. The Lord is a God of judgment. It does not seem to make sense that your mercy will be delivered on the platform of God's judgment. In fact, if you looked in a thesaurus or uh, a, a, the opposite of a thesaurus, an antonym of mercy would seem to be judgment. In essence, it would seem that the very act of showing mercy means you are suspending judgment, and the very act of judging means that you are suspending mercy. But the Bible is saying here, it is God's nature as a God of judgment that is responsible for him being able to apply mercy. And, and, and that really baked my noodle for, for a bit. But then there's another colon, as you can see. And that second colon really explains. Blessed are all they that wait ah in essence it says the lord will wait he has to wait to be gracious therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy on you he's a god of judgment so blessed are all they that wait in essence many times the grace and mercy of God needs to wait for the satisfaction of the judgment before it can be in full effect. In essence, while trusting in God for mercy, 
you must be patient enough for judgment to take its course. Two dimensions of judgment. The judgment of you. In essence, the judgment of one, the original Adamic sin. Two, your errors, mistakes, disobedience, and and in 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 inconsistencies with his principles and his will but also the judgment of what is afflicting you sometimes takes time as well god told abraham your descendants will be slaves in egypt for over four four centuries why because the iniquity of the Amorite, he says, is not yet full. So, your mercy in coming into the land will be on the platform of someone else's judgment, but you need to be patient. This is why, as we looked at yesterday, let's go there real quick. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, we see that the Bible says that there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. If you are this side, now under the heaven is not talking just about geography. It means under the influence of heaven. And as I explained to you before, the Hebrew word Shamayim, the Greek word Uranus, is not just speaking about heaven as a final destination of God. It speaks primarily as heaven as a realm of authority that governs the seen world. In essence, a purpose under heaven means, or under heaven here means, under the authority of the unseen world. And the Bible tells us that the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal, and the things that are seen, we saw in scripture several times last year, are not made from things that do appear. In essence, there is an unseen world that governs the manifestation of everything, and I mean everything. There is nothing on the earth that is not spiritual. Hear me, somebody. I, I, I have, I, I say, I have I'm, I'm, I'm an accountant by training. Uh, I have a master's and a first and a second master's degree in engineering. Uh, I've worked as a consultant, as a coach, as an entrepreneur. I believe in facts and figures. I believe in principles. Hear me. I am not hiding under a rock, but even in my journey of life in these fields of endeavor in which to the glory of god i have done reasonably well if you want to put it that way i've come to the conclusion that there's nothing that occurs in the seen world that you can't trace to an unseen route mm -hmm. and the bible says if we will live in a world governed by the spirit realm there will always be a time to be born just so you can see my screen the laws be a time to be born and a time to die. Things will start and they will end. Deal with it. Hear me. The same way people are born and they die, seasons are born and they die. Sometimes friendships are born and they die. Sometimes relationships are born and they die. Sometimes, sometimes businesses are born and they die. Sadly, sometimes ministries are born and they die. There will be a time to be born and a time to die. And if you are trying to save something when it's its time to die, you will die of frustration. But if you're trying to kill something when it's its time to be born, especially if you're the enemy, you will also die of frustration. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up, in a sense, a time to harvest. 
if you try and harvest when you should be planting, <laughs> you will have to plant when you should be harvesting. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. The word kill here in Hebrew means literally to wound. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And, 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 and I've, sh I've said, shared this with several people who are either my friends or my spiritual prodigies, that there are seasons or there are moments where the most loving thing you can do to a person is to skewer them with a knife. I don't mean a real knife now, but there are times where you should be bringing pain for a valid godly reason, and then there are times where you should be healing. Don't kill when you should be healing, and don't heal when you should be killing. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. And there is a time to weep, the Bible says. And notice, the opposite of the time to weep is not the time to be normal. It's the time to laugh. In essence, in God's economy, when weeping has endured for a night, the next thing that should follow should be joy. It's not weeping, then normalcy. It's weeping, then joy, then laughter. But as we see here in scripture, there is a time. And the words time there, every, word, every time you see the word time here, it's talking about a season. Iyajesu, welcome. By the way, everybody, just Google on YouTube, Iyajesu original. Um, uh, thank me later. It's an amazing Christian comedy, but very, very kingdom and biblically based comedy channel. Uh, and it's uh, run by uh, one of us here in kingdom culture in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, she's actually on staff with kingdom culture. Her name is Mrs. Arit Odo. Uh, so Mrs. Arit Morris. I keep forgetting that, you know, the ring has been on the finger for a couple of years now. Uh, and I, I just recommend, and I'm proud of what you're doing, Arit. God bless you and continue to prosper your, your effort with that channel. But like we said, there is a time to weep. And that is the beginning of the doctrine of tears. It is that in the economy of God's will and purpose, there is a time to weep. And if you have a problem with this, you will struggle to walk with God. A generation has risen in the body of Christ that has been told that weeping is ungodly and that it is never a part of God's calendar for you to suffer through pain. Jackie, you're right. Coming there in a second. As we just saw, if you are going to experience the mercy of God, you are going to have to do what? You are going to have to wait. And one of the reasons, where was I now? I've forgotten what tab I was on. One of the reasons why you are going to have to wait. Where were we with this now? Oh, there we are. One of the reasons why you're going to have to wait is that there is a time to weep and many times the reason it is time to weep 
is that the judgment of God has to be satisfied before his mercy can come. And I told you, it could be judgment about you or him judging what is attacking or frustrating you. And the only people who see his blessing are they that can wait. Now verse 19 says, For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, they shall weep no more. There was a time to weep, but now they will weep no more. Why? He will be very gracious unto you, listen, at the voice of your cry. At the voice of your cry. When he shall what? Hear it. And here we begin the journey of debunking the true but not complete truth doctrine that God is impervious to the tears of his people. As we see here, he will be very gracious unto you, you at the voice. In essence, there is a place for the voice of your cry to trigger the compassion of God. The reason why it looks like it does not move God many times is there is a time, as we just saw, to weep. And a time to laugh. When the time to weep has come to an end in the calendar of God, you best believe me, your tears and your cry will move God. Are you ready to go on a Bible journey? Are you ready to go on a Bible journey? If you are, let's start by going to the book of Psalms. Chapter 30. We're going to go from Isaiah chapter 30 to Psalm chapter 30. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Psalm, Psalm chapter 30. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and has not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and you healed me. Now, for the sake of doctrine, doctrinal correctness, let me make it clear that the word cry here is not the word weep. It's different. This cry is the same as saying I prayed unto you or I asked with a loud voice. So this cry is not synonymous with the grief of weeping, but it is many times triggered by the grief of weeping right it doesn't mean i was crying and you heard me it is a directed cry in essence it is laced with grief it comes in tears and grief but it is directed in the direction of the one who is able to respond i cried unto you and you have healed me 
You brought up my soul from the grave. Now, the concept of the grave in Hebrew culture is more than just where you die. Shul, hell, the grave. These are dimensions that are referred to in life as well as death. But I digress for today. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O you saints of his. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Look at verse 5. His anger, a.k.a. judgment, endures but a moment. In his favor is life. Now look at this. Weeping may endure for a night. Weeping may endure for a night. What is a night? Genesis 1 makes it clear what the night is. It's the time when it is not day. Right? God separated the light from the darkness. And the light he called day and the darkness night. He called for a light to rule the day. A greater light to rule the day. And a lesser time, lesser light to rule the night. Jesus said, I must work while it is day. For night is coming when no man can work. I hear me. He says in the parable of the sower, while men slept, an enemy sow tears. What is night? Night is a divinely permitted season where God is on pause, quote unquote pause, and the enemy is permitted to make his move. Night is a scheduled part of the calendar. And night is the sandwich in the biblical definition of a day. The Hebrew day starts in evening. The Bible says in Genesis 1, six times, the evening and morning were the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day. The Hebrew calendar till today begins at sundown the evening before. In essence, in God's calendar, in God's season, a day, for instance, is a season of time, right? In which God is up to a certain kind of activity. And so the night is that period of time when God has started working by wrapping up one season, the evening, declining light, between when he begins manifesting his agenda for this season, the morning, the bukar, the rising light, there are somewhere between, depends on what part of the world you are, but if you were in the Hebrew land, sundown began at 6 p.m. and sunrise began at 6 a.m. So there were roughly 10 hours in between when the sun was completely down and when it began to rise that were called night. And during this time, the Bible says, weeping is permitted. Now, there are two things it means. Number one is that the things that will cause you to weep are permitted. It means the enemy is allowed to sow tears. All right? Kadesh and Jeremy, if you're watching, Daddy would like some water, please. It means the enemy is permitted to sow tears. It means life is permitted to happen. In essence, God has scheduled and permitted in his sovereignty that there are moments in your life that are designed by definition to allow unpleasant happenings. Why? One, to satisfy divine judgment. Two, like Job, to teach not you but the world around you many times the glory of God. Like Jesus said about the man who was born uh, 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 blind or, lame, or, or infirm. Sorry. Three... Because God in his, in his justice many times has to give 
the things, people, and circumstances responsible for the calamity or the weeping, time, like the Amorites, for their iniquity to be full before he begins to manifest and release the fullness of his judgment in response. And so if you are not aware that weeping isn't allowed for a night, you will many times be confounded, confused, uh, and, and frankly speaking, uh, bemused at the calendar of your life. Weeping isn't allowed to endure for a night. The second thing this means is that you are permitted to weep in response for a night. So not only are the things that will cause you to weep allowed, God does not mind you crying during the night. In fact, his response to you when you weep in the night is comfort. As I'll show you in a, in a little while. But he says, joy comes in the morning. The word morning there is the word bokar. In essence, a season comes when God says, okay, enough weeping. Now I need you to participate with me by your confidence in me in the process that will end the need for weeping. Joy comes in the morning. Are you listening to me, somebody? So this is where we begin in the doctrine of tears. Weeping is permitted, but it is seasonal. And there is a season called Bokar, where it is now illegal for the things that cause your weeping to go scot-free. Secondly, come with me to Isaiah chapter 60. One. Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of, we looked at this yesterday a little bit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. Semicolon, he has asked me. One second. He has asked me to bind up the brokenhearted. So contrary to the doctrine that says God is not moved by my pain and my tears the bible actually is saying here that the anointing is a heat seeking missile and of course we know the anointing is the spirit of the lord upon in essence god has an affinity for the brokenhearted in fact it is your grief according to isaiah 60 that qualifies you as a candidate it is your pain and misfortune that qualifies you as a candidate for the visitation of the anointing. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Listen. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the year of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. Somebody say the doctrine of tears. God's response 
to the mourning of those in covenant with him is comfort. And we'll look at this perhaps on Friday when we look at the ministry, right, of the comforter. The Bible says, I will not leave you alone. I will send you a comforter, a paracletos. And so when we understand what comfort means to God, it doesn't mean, hey, yeah, oh, sorry. Hey, yeah, you mean that thing happened? Oh, no, that's not what God defines comfort as. God's definition of comfort includes emotional support, but goes far beyond emotional support to divine intervention, counsel, and assistance in overcoming that which is responsible for your mourning. Number three, the Bible says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Someone said the doctrine of tears. It means contrary to what our generation would like to believe. It is very biblical for there to be tears in Zion. Mm. it is not ungodly you know i've heard people you know and 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 when i when i hear people preach this you know i've i've, I've lived long enough um I'm not as young as i used to be and i've worked with god long enough to have studied this 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 pattern over the years these are usually either people who have no experience and just allow them live long enough and their tune will change or there are people who know better but are peddling this doctrinal fallacy because it's it, it is good quote and unquote for business this understanding that the moment you come into god and and you are mature enough in him you will live a life that is devoid of pain and and devoid of 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 affliction and devoid of anything that you can't solve simply by exercising your authority in god this overly this over overly sensationalized and destructive caricature of new creation realities is demonic and if you are peddler in it repent the bible is clear that the believer is not exempted from tears the believer is not exempted from negative things happening the believer is not exempted from pain the believer is not exempted from grief the believer is not exempted from want the believer is not exempted from lack the believer is not exempted from 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 being in fact the bible says if any among you is afflicted let him pray so god knows there will be affliction Paul said to the Lord, there is a thorn in my side and I prayed three times and, and God said, so it, it is very, very consistent with the Bible, right? For there to be mourning in Zion. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Mm -hmm. You are not an inferior Christian. Because there are things going on in your life that make you cry. 
Whether or not you physically cry, I mean things going on in your life that are causes of pain and consternation. In fact, take a seat beside Jesus. Take a seat beside Paul. Take a seat beside Peter. Take a seat beside every single man and woman of, 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 of renown and repute in scripture. And anyone who told you otherwise is a thief and a robber or is ignorant. Or maybe both. The doctrine of tears makes it clear. You are. In fact, if you walk with God long enough, you will mourn in Zion. Circumstances will transpire that break your heart. That cause you to question whether or not God is on your side. You will lose a loved one at some point in your life. You will suffer some kind of loss, some kind of setback. Satan will seem at least one day in your life to have the upper hand. And Miranda, you hit the nail, the nail on the head. I'm, thank you for going there. You know, there's always, no, Miranda is today's Aproco student. Miranda is the student today who's going far ahead of the teacher. But well done, Miranda. And therefore, God expects you to weep. Because the Bible says his strength is made perfect in your weakness. It is not strength to refuse to break down in the arms of a God who loves you. In fact, in such times, weeping is therapeutic. The Bible says that there must be mourning sometimes for the oil of joy to be released. There must be heaviness. Excuse me. For the garment of praise to be offered. The doctrine of tears states. Or teaches from scripture. Weeping is godly. It will happen to the vast majority of all believers at some point. Remember it is permitted for a season. Meaning it is allowed. But that season must end. It also stipulates, as I showed you, in Isaiah chapter 30. Let's go back there. Before we start to move to other scriptural examples. Isaiah chapter 30. That God responds to covenant weeping. Isaiah chapter 30. Look. The people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. Why? He will be gracious unto thee at the voice of your cry. Your cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer. Now, I want to show you uh, how I study my Bible. Hmm. I want you to join me in some Bible study. Is that okay? Are you ready? And today's Bible study, seen as it's the doctrine of tears, is going to be to type in the word tears. 
into the King James Bible. Let's do this together, shall we? One second. Where are we? Cool. If you type in the word tears into the King James Bible, it shows up 35 times. Mm. Now notice, now you can do this with cry, you can do this with crying, you can do this with weeping, you can do this with weep, uh, and you would end up with roughly about 500 different verses if you combined all of the combinations. Tears, cry, crying, weep, weeping, wept. You end up with over 500 examples in the scripture. And that's interesting because it tells you that if there are 500 references to an activity in the Bible, because the Bible is not the is is not an exhaustive uh, presentation of history. There are many things that happened that the Bible is silent about that happened at the same time as other things the Bible spends plenty of time talking about. And so the Bible is selective in what it portrays. And so if something shows up 500 times in scripture or over 500 times, I think you may want to find out what it has to say. But for the sake of today's Bible study, just today's Bible study, like I said, I mean, I, I can show you that I did the same thing with, with cry. I did it with crying. I did it with weep. I did it with weeping. I did it with wept. But let's just use tears because tears is the least common one, only 35 times. I want you to see in this in these examples how God responds or what the Bible says about every time the word tears are mentioned. First of all, Luke chapter 7 verse 38. The story of the sinful woman who came Mary many of us know her as to wash Jesus' feet. Luke 7 37 a woman in now notice this is the same by the way I forgot to mention this this is the same chapter of the story of the woman of Nain it's the same Luke 7 right all right it's the same what Luke 7 in the same chapter where he talks about weep not to this woman we see the first time the word tears in our study shows up A woman came in, in the city, which was a sinner. When she knew Jesus sat at meat in, in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. Listen, she stood at his feet behind him weeping. She was weeping. Why was she weeping? Because she was in pain. This is one of the things we misunderstand or ignore, sorry about this story the only reason she had tears to wipe or to wash his feet was because she was weeping someone say weeping someone say weeping she began to wash his feet with tears and she wiped them with the hairs of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Like I said to you, the doctrine that God is not moved by tears is true but incomplete. It's not that he's not moved by tears. 
it's how it, it, but let me summarize it i'm going to explain this tomorrow but let me just break it down today in advance and then we're going to detail tomorrow the first question is who is doing the crying because the tears of everybody do not move god so there are certain classes of people whose tears god is responsive to secondly even if you qualify as a person whose tears god is sensitive to in what direct in essence are these passive tears or are they active tears and by active i mean are the tears being offered to him against him or just in isolation thirdly why are you crying we will see that tomorrow because you don't even need to offer the tears to god if your tears are tears of injustice we'll look at this tomorrow by god's grace or maybe on friday that if you are responsible for the tears of a person because of your injustice to them god will answer and when he does you will be crying soon so there is a doctrine or a system or an understanding sorry to how tears move god and it starts with who is crying why are they crying and in in whose direction are the tears being offered as we see here this woman is not just crying she satisfies all the criteria she's a per now the question is who is crying the, the simple answer to that is god is moved by people who are either who, by the tears of people who are either in covenant with him or who are being afflicted unfairly and have no power to defend themselves those are the two classes of people god whose tears always move god either you are in covenant with god or even if you are not in covenant with god you are suffering injustice and you are unable to help yourself secondly is why are you crying like israel are you crying because you want meat instead of manna because i told you yesterday there was one example of a covenant person crying in scripture that god was angry at and that was when israel wept because they wanted meat instead of manna god offered them angels food god offered them a diet that would make them live 40 years sickness free their clothes would grow their shoes would not be affected and because they wanted meat garlic onions and leeks the bible says they began to weep and god's response was not only to give them what they cried for but in anger so be very careful when you're crying for the wrong reason because god can respond to your tears seemingly but the end result will be negative but why are you crying and then the third reason okay thank you holy spirit let's move on let's move on thank you let's move on let's move on so let's go back to this woman's story here she's weeping and she washes his feet with the hairs of her head right now let's look at this story in mark chapter 14 to get a real understanding of this mark chapter 14. Hmm. thank you holy spirit 
So we see the same story. Then Simon's house, she brings out a box of alabaster. She breaks it, right? Now, in this part of the story, it does not tell us, or in this account, sorry, it does not tell us about the tears. But I want you to watch. Look, look at me. Look at me. There were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have being sold for no 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 one second one second one second one second one second one second no 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 sorry I'm wrong this is a no sorry 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 I was wrong forgive me forgive me I was wrong let's let's leave this alone I'll correct this tomorrow I just need to tie something up but but that was that was a a brain glitch on my behalf let's carry on so anyway so we see Jesus's response right is to simply one second where are we now okay cool so Jesus's response right is to say one second one second one second one second one second her sins are forgiven the question then becomes, why was the woman crying? Hold that thought till tomorrow. Now I've resolved the brain glitch in my head. Let's go back to Mark 14. I've resolved, I've resolved the, brain, the brain glitch. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at what Jesus says. In verse 6, let her alone, meaning leave her alone. Why are you troubling her? She has done a good work on me. Some translations say to me. Meaning, something this woman did deeply affected me. And the question is, was it the ointment or the tears he was speaking about? My suggestion to you is that the answer is both. It was not just the fact that she broke her alabaster box. It was the emotion behind her breaking it. In essence, her tears were part of the worship that Jesus was speaking about. In essence, listen to me. When you worship God, in the midst of your pain and your grief that is an accelerant in the offering before the throne of zion someone say the doctrine of tears pain and mourning is spectacular in its ability to crank up the spiritual temperature in your dealings of god especially when married with worship, deference, and surrender to him. In essence, and I want you to write this down, pain can be a gift. Let's keep going. So Luke 7, 4, 7.44, and Jesus is explaining carefully to Simon. He's saying, see, 
It's not just that she gave me the alabaster box. In, in verse 44, Jesus is stressing, she washed my feet with tears. She washed my feet with Jesus is stressing that her tears when correctly offered were part of the equation. All right. Acts chapter 20. This is Paul talking. Let's look at this. Acts 20. He says, you know from the first day I came to Asia, after what manner I have, meaning the way I have been with you in all seasons. Paul says, I have been serving the Lord with humility of mind and with many tears. Look, I have been serving the Lord. I have been serving the Lord, he says, with humility of mind and with many tears. Ladies and gentlemen, the doctrine of tears set, says that I can serve God with my tears. As we just saw with the woman, the alabaster box. I can serve God with my tears. Are you listening to me? Contrary to popular teaching opinion, there is room for serving God in... This is Paul the Apostle. This is the man who taught us, Jackie, great question. That will be probably Friday or Saturday. How do you direct your tears? What great question. This is the man who taught us new creation realities. This is the man who taught us that we are seated in Christ in heavenly places that many of us have taken to, to destructive extremes. Paul says, I served God with many tears. I didn't just serve God in my tears. I served him with my tears. Why? Because my tears are precious to God. My tears are what? Are precious to God. My tears correctly engaged can demonstrate a level of worship and service to God that my good days could never hope. As the songwriter says, when there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. All right, let's keep going. This is the same Paul in the same chapter, right? And he says, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. This may seem to be outside the scope of our, our, our study this week, but let me just touch on this real quick. Real quick. If you don't know how to cry, you may not be called to ministry. Because there is a dimension of efficacy and conviction in ministry that is only birthed at the pain of the minister for the condition of the people to whom he is sent. It could be for their sin or their suffering 
or the fact that they're on their way to hell, whatever it is, Paul says, I warned you everyone night and day with tears. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. I want you to see this one. For out of much affliction and anguish, Miranda, that's exactly what I'm talking about, intercessory tears, yes. There is a degree of efficacy in intercession and in ministry that requires the compassion that comes with pain at the condition of who you're sent to. Out of much ang affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. What was the pain Paul was talking about here? The pain that he caused the children he rebuked. Paul was saying, that act of rebuke that broke your heart came from a place in me of tears. Let's move on. Second Timothy 1 4. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. Now, this is a spiritual father speaking to his spiritual son. He says, I'm aware of your tears, son Timothy. In essence, Timothy, I know you are in pain. This was the great apostle talking to the bishop of Ephesus, his son. A man of God talking to another man of God. And he says, Timothy, I am aware that you have pain. This is perhaps my favorite. Hebrews 5, 7. This is talking about Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7. It first starts by saying, Every high priest is taken from among men, ordained to offer the things pertaining to God. He says he can have compassion, that's the word again, on the ignorant, because he himself has gone through infirmity. Like I told you yesterday, many times the season of your tears are God's gift to you to qualify you for your assignment. The greatest works of generational impact are born of people who have been through what the people they are assigned to have been through. Look at this now. He then says, verse 7, In the days of Jesus' flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Now notice I told you who is crying, why are they crying, and in what direction is their crying. Tears unto him. So we've seen now you can serve God in tears, right? We've seen you can serve God with tears. And now we're seeing... So you can serve God, in essence, we've seen that you can be serving God while in pain. We've seen that you can offer up your pain and your tears as your service to God. And now we see that you can cry unto him that was able to save him from death. Listen, and he was heard. The Bible says he was heard. Jesus understood the doctrine of tears. 
Jesus got the attention of his father via his tears. Strong, so he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Remember I told you that the doctrine of God isn't moved by your tears is true, but it's not complete. Is it making sense now? He offered up the tears or his prayers and supplications with, meaning the tears and crying were the vehicle by which he made his prayers and supplication. He wept his prayers. He cried his prayers. He, he mourned his need for God's intervention. And the Bible says he was heard. If it worked for Jesus, you might want to make sure that you it works for you. Now, Hebrews 12, 17 talks about the fact that tears will not... <laughs> and I just have to throw this here real quickly. Um, tears will not erase every single consequence of your errors. Let's just settle that. Because the Bible says Esau sought the place of repentance with tears, but he didn't find it. So uh, you can't cry your way out of every single consequence of your choices. That's not what I'm saying. But I'll talk about more of that this coming week. Revelation 7, 17. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. God, we looked at this yesterday, God will wipe away. And we see this again in Revelation 21.4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are wiped away. One is So this is talking about the future, the millennial reign. But it is telling you, the Bible makes it very clear to us, that God is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. If he will wipe away our tears, it means he's in the business of wiping away tears. It means it is his nature. It is his nature to wipe tears. Somebody tell your neighbor, God is in the business of wiping tears. He doesn't just end the need for crying. He will, see, you know, now, I'm a man, I'm married to a woman. Uh, I'm proudly so. And I have children. So, over the years, I have experience in wiping tears. I mean, literally wiping tears. I have experience in literally wiping tears from the eyes of a loved one and not just my wife and children my spiritual children my biological family it, it is a tender act to wipe away a tear there is a level of precision you have when you're wiping tears you don't want to hurt the eyes of the person you don't want to poke your eye in, your hand into their eye and make them cry more right and so there is a delicate tenderness that comes or that needs to come when a person takes it upon themselves to wipe away the tears of another. This is not just saying that God will end the reason for your crying. It's saying he will 
tenderly engage with you in the midst of your pain and emotional fragility to offer comfort and take away the tears from your eyes so these have all been new testament let's look at some in the old testament shall we psalm 56 no no we'll come down in a second so now this is my favorite one in the old testament second corinthians 20 verse 5 this is the story of when isaiah came and told king hezekiah put your house in order you're going to die hezekiah is sick right verse 2 says now god says to him set your house in order for you shall live or you shall die and not live the bible says that hezekiah turned his face and i've told you this before and i'm saying this again if you're a christian learn this skill Learn it before you need it. <laughs> Learn it before you need it. The ability to look at a physical circumstance and say, I know the realm you came from. I will go to that realm. I'm not going to focus my energy on crying about you, right? I'm going to go to the causal realm and do business in that dimension. Hezekiah did not say anything to Isaiah. Hezekiah doesn't argue with Isaiah, doesn't shout at Isaiah, doesn't say this is not fair to Isaiah. Hezekiah says there's no business wasting my energy. In essence, I told you, remember, that the concept of tears don't move God is true but incomplete these are the kinds of tears that don't move god when you are crying at the problem and like i said it doesn't fit into the category of injustice because when there's i'll show you in a second when there's injustice all bets are off you don't need to cry to god you don't need to direct your tears if a person weeps out of affliction and and they happen to just mention god's name you're in trouble but Isaiah is not crying, or Hezekiah is not crying at Isaiah or the problem. He turned his face to the wall and prayed unto God. He said, Oh Lord, remember how now I walked before you in truth with a perfect heart, and I've done that which is good in your sight. And the Bible says Hezekiah wept sore. He literally cried till his eyes and his body were hurting. The Bible says, after Isaiah went out to the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Here, Gerald, we go to that causal realm and we do business. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, turn again. You see, this is why you don't waste your time with the situation. Because if you fix it in the right realm, the situation will come back to apologize to you. I've learned this the hard way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Pastors, hear me. Especially pastors, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Pastors, listen to me. Stop fighting your people. Mm -mm. Stop fighting your people. Go to the causal realm. Right? The same people who come with the you will die will turn around and come with the you will live. And I mean that metaphorically. 
you can you you can deal with a person in a realm the person is not aware about and shift their attitude towards you mm -hmm. husbands and wives hear me about your spouses parents hear me about your children we spend too much time shouting at the person who is the symptom of an issue fix the issue in the spirit and watch how the person turns 360 or 180 sorry says go and tell hezekiah the captain of my people thus saith the lord the god of david thy father someone say covenant remember i told you the first question is who is crying we'll break these down tomorrow and on friday so there's a covenant here listen i have heard your prayer that would have been enough but god goes a step further and says I have seen your tears. It was not just the prayer that moved God. God is making it clear the tears moved me too. Yesha! I have seen your tears. And therefore, I will heal you. I have seen your tears. Someone say, God has seen my tears. God has seen my tears. And you will notice that all this happened in between when Isaiah entered the palace, delivered the message, and before he left the palace. All this was within maximum 20, 30 minutes or so. Because it was after Isaiah left, Hezekiah began to cry. And before he left the palace, the Bible says, God said, I have seen your tears. Mm. Mm -hmm. Esther 8.3, this is talking about Esther crying to the king. But remember, the Bible, uh, uh, scholars call the book of Esther the silent gospel. It's the only book of the Bible in which God's name is not mentioned, but it's a metaphor. And there is a... Anyway, let's move on. There's a metaphor of Esther dealing with the king about how we deal with God. Job 16.20 My friends scorn me, but my eye pours out tears unto God. Now, this is dealing with, again, point one, that it is possible to be a believer and be in tears. Psalm 6, 6, I'm weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed swim. I water my couch with my tears. Psalm 39, 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear unto my cry. Hear my prayer, but give ear to my cry. He, meaning, listen to what I'm saying, but also pay attention to the way in which I am saying it. In essence, don't just respond to the words. Let my grief also get your attention. Hold not your peace at my tears. Psalm 42.3 My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is your God? 6.8 You tell my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? So God is collecting my tears and chronically this is how precious they are to him 
he's collecting them and he's chronicling them psalm 85 is talking about god's judgment and god's affliction so let's leave that for now but yes he feeds them with the bread of tears he gives them tears to drink a great measure this is talking about his punishment for israel's sins look at psalms 116 verse 8 for thou hast delivered my soul from death and mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling god says the, the psalmist here is saying god delivered my eyes from tears he was conscious of the fact that i was crying and he took it upon himself to deliver my eyes from tears and my feet from falling psalm 126 verse 5 says they that sow in tears in essence tears are a good atmosphere in which to sow and i don't just mean sow money so in essence anything you any good thing you offer or do in the place of grief receives an accelerant in the realm of the spirit if you sow in tears you reap in joy it is biblical to sow in tears in essence you don't allow your pain become your god that's the the, the balance to the doctrine of tears you don't allow your pain stop you from sowing and i don't just mean money in essence you don't let your pain stop you from offering what you should offer in every circumstance because that pain becomes a rocket accelerant in the realm of the spirit exodus 4 verse 1 is talking about an old testament reality it says i looked and i beheld the tears of the oppressed and they had no comforter but I told you, starting from Friday and Saturday, we'll begin to look at the ministry of the comforter. So he says they had no comforter. And on the side of the oppressors, there was power. But now we have a comforter that has been sent by God. Are you with me, somebody? All right. Um, I'm going to jump for six again. It's talking about God's judgment to Israel. Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death in victory and will wipe away tears from off all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth for the Lord has spoken it. Isaiah 38 is repeating the story of Hezekiah again. Jeremiah 9.1 is making the point I made about uh, tears being a necessary part of ministry. He says, Oh, that my head were waters, my eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain daughter of my people. Sometimes you weep for the pain of other people. Same here in verse 19, verse, verse 18, sorry. Same here in verse 17, same principle, right? But Jeremiah 31, 16, at the end of the weeping prophet's book, at the end of the book of the prophet who was constantly weeping for the pain of his people, refrain, thus saith the Lord, weep not someone say weep not thus saith the lord refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears for your work shall be rewarded and this is not the reward of judgment because the bible says and they shall come again from the land of the enemy
they shall come again from the land of the enemy like i told you yesterday when the same god who is happy and sensitive to the weeping of his people i just showed you several scriptures today of it being biblical for the believer to weep but whenever he says stop weeping almost always with a few exceptions in scripture it is because of what he's about to say next the reason for the weeping has come to an end lamentations same written by the prophet isaiah as well so same context right but look at verse 18 their heart cried unto the lord o wall of the daughter of zion let tears run down like a river it's an instruction when it's the time to weep let tears run down like a river day and night give yourself no rest let the apple of thine eye let not the apple of thine eye cease Oof. mark 9 24 and this is the last one i'm going to give today this is a man who's come to jesus after the mount of transfiguration the disciples have tried to heal his son they've not been able to and they're frustrated and the man is at his wit's end now listen one of the multitude answered and said master i have brought unto you my son which has a dumb spirit and he's describing satanic affliction <laughs> Imagine being a father and your child is being ravaged by hell and there's nothing you can do about it. Someone you love is being torn apart by the devil and you are helpless. I want you to put yourself in this man's shoes for a second. How tortured his soul must have been and he has the words to describe it he says this thing takes him and tears him and my son is foaming and gnashing with his teeth he says and he's pining away pining away means he's wasting he's becoming emaciated he's losing weight he's becoming a skeleton he's he's becoming emotionally withdrawn and and emotionally destroyed that i spoke to your disciples that they would cast him out and they could not now listen i've heard many people say that jesus was calling the man faithless no no jesus answered him and said oh faithless generation he doesn't say oh faithless man present to you that Jesus's frustration is not at the father who is in pain it is at the fact that there is a generation that has no ability to solve the father's pain why do I say this well keep reading 
They brought him to him. He saw him. And notice again, as we saw with the woman of Nain, the Bible says that he saw him. Somebody says he sees me. Jesus saw him the way he saw the woman. He understood. He, it, it, it hit him in a deep place. Jesus observed the pit in his very, very presence. And notice that in Jesus' presence, the spirit was afflicting the boy. That, that, that's a whole different week of apostolic emphasis. But I want you to show the fact that Jesus was there. And this spirit was still afflicting the boy. Now, uh, uh, my doctrine uh, would have suggested that the moment Jesus was present and the spirit could sense Jesus' presence. But Jesus was right there. And the spirit was tearing him, the Bible says. He fell on the ground and wallowed for me. And Jesus asked the father. How long has this been going on? The father says of a child, meaning since he was a little child. He then goes further. There are times where this spirit throws him into the fire. There are times where it throws him into the water. And it's trying to destroy. Anybody know what it means to deal with a force that is trying to destroy your life. And this force doesn't seem to have rhythm or rhyme. Some days it's fire, some days it's water. Some days it's finance, some days it's marriage. In essence, this spirit is not sticking to one line of attack. It literally finds anything and everything to cause pain. And its focus, listen, is to destroy him. The father says, if you can do anything. Ah, Kaima. Salabeno Iacumbre Tiakela Jamelombre Kiatenam Brocusta Venela. If you can do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus then offers him. Remember, he complained about a faithless generation. Jesus offered him the technology of faith. And the man said, Lord, this has passed faith for me. Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. The man says, Jesus, this one has passed faith. I don't have any faith left to give. He says, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And notice, the Bible says... The father of the child cried out and said with tears. With tears. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. cried out and said with tears he cried out and said with tears tonight I want somebody to cry out and say with tears cry out to your father he has said it is time to weep not cry out to him
express your need to him open your mouth and pray like Bartimaeus son of David have mercy on me like Jesus the Bible says he offered up prayer and supplication with tears and strong crying ah 2nd Samuel chapter 22 I want you to pray wherever you are lift up your voice and begin to pray 2nd Samuel chapter 22 verse 7 says in my distress I called upon the Lord and I cried to my God and he did hear my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter his ears my cry entered his ears like Hannah like Hannah Eli and Elkanah El Elkanah said why are you crying Hannah the Bible says Penina provoked her the pain of her childlessness it wasn't just that she didn't have a child it was that this other woman was consistently being mean to her and reminding her and rubbing it in her face the Bible says Anna cried from a deep place when she got to the to Shiloh the Bible says she she was crying and praying but no sound was coming out that Eli called her a drunkard she says no 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 my lord this is this is anguish of soul she said don't mistake your daughter for a daughter your, your servant your handmaiden for a daughter of Belial this is nothing but great anguish of soul and God heard and answered kingdom culture your mourning prayer culture and all our family and friends, our wider family and friends. I've seen a couple of some of you in the comments tonight. Champions Assembly, Mina. Dynasty House, Lincoln and Lagos. Destiny House, Northampton. A New Thing, London. I don't want to keep mentioning names in case I forget someone. I'm going to stop there. Because if I call 9, 10, 11 names and I leave someone out, I'll be in trouble. But everyone that is in covenant with this house or in this house, the Lord sent me this week to give you a clear message. He has heard your cry. He has seen your tears. And as you engage him in fasting and praying in this season, he will answer. He will answer. He will answer. He will hear your voice from Zion. And he will come just like he promised. His reward will be with him. 
Like we saw in Psalm 118. Let's just go back there real quick. Psalm 116. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, Jeremiah, sorry, verse chapter 31. As we saw in Jeremiah 31. Thus saith the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. Why? Because in this season thy work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. And you shall come again. And the context of this, just to make it clear, right? Is after he has prophesied destruction, he then says, See, hear the word of the Lord, all you nations, declared in the isles of our say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than him. Then they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat, for wine, for oil, for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden. And they shall not sorrow anymore at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness and my people shall be satisfied in my with my goodness the lord said the voice was heard in rama lamentation and weeping rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted for her children because they were not thus saith the lord refrain in essence after the calamity now stop weeping and your eyes from tears for your work shall be rewarded says the lord they shall come again from the land of the enemy and there is hope in your end we looked at yesterday that the heart gets sick when hope is deferred and faith requires hope to work and the Bible says there is hope in your end says the Lord that your children shall come again to their own border so what happened your children were taken you cried God says weep not there is hope in your end said the Lord your children shall come again to their own border Father, we give you glory. Woo! Shabadanga. Lift your voice and begin to thank the Lord tonight. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Begin to bless him and thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. We give you glory for the prophetic word in this season. That the time for weeping is at an end, oh God. That the time for weeping is at an end, O oh God of our salvation. Oh, for the remnant of the Lord shall again return. Kura babunambre kosikaba le kurianzo brokuka for the remnant of the Lord shall again rejoice. The remnant of the Lord shall again 
rejoice jesus le coria cabora na manzi greboria kedelietela jebonza calibro combra akietona zebre coribra corra baban sibrekiate zumbro coman sibrekuria baba the number of the children of israel shall be as the sand of the sea a remnant shall be saved a remnant shall be saved rukamen subrakadie kombra askirietela joruba i just realized y'all couldn't see my screen rukaman sebrekuria babos nahatike We just looked at Romans chapter 9 and now we look at Isaiah chapter 10. The remnant shall return even the remnant of Jacob unto the mighty God for though thy people be as the sand of the sea yet a remnant shall return. One more scripture about a remnant to understand what I've been talking about. Jikoriba koria babona siketelela. Second Kings chapter nineteen and Isaiah chapter thirty-seven. Let's look at Isaiah chapter thirty. We're still giving God thanks and praise. Lift your voice unto Him. Isaiah chapter thirty-seven, verse thirty-one. And the remnant that is escaped out of the house of Judah shall again take root downwards and bear fruit upwards for out of jerusalem shall go forth a remnant and they that escape out of mount zion the zeal of the lord of hosts shall do this why is this important remember jeremiah 31 16 refrain your voice from weeping Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. Your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. They shall come again from the land of the enemy. What's the context? A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, verse 15, and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they were not. But what is the response? There is hope in thine end, saith the Lord. And thy children, the remnant, shall come again to their border. There will be restoration. Weeping has endured for a night. But this is the time where joy comes in the morning. Child of God, I congratulate you. I celebrate with you. I'm excited for you to see what God will do in and through and to you. For morning is here. Bukhar is here. And it will bring word of God's unfaithful and his faithful love. Somebody clap your hands, oh you people, and shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Tomorrow we take this further. Um, we're going to take this a bit further as we dive even further into scripture. Tomorrow we're going to be looking at how to activate and position ourselves with the season and the instruction of the Lord to weep not.
On Friday, we're going to start to look at the ministry of the comforter and how God carries out his instruction or backs up, I should say, his instruction not to weep. How God causes us to not need to weep in instruction, in response to that instruction, when the time for comfort and restoration comes. For those of you who want to give an offering to the Lord tonight, the details are on your screen. Um, including for those who the Bible says are sowing in tears. As we saw clearly from scripture, it says that joy will come in the morning. It's not just a cliche. Joy will come. And I prophesy over everyone in this season, whether in this house or in another house to which you belong, that has consistently given and served the kingdom consistently sacrificed that the agenda of zion may find expression that this is the season where god will look upon your sacrifice and your worship and that you will reap in joy i command that you will reap in joy oh jesus i command that you will reap in joy let it be so as the mouth of the lord has spoken through his mouthpiece and his prophet i speak over you in this season the details on how to give on the video description and after this prayer they will be up on the screen again so if you if you couldn't see them uh in a few minutes you'll see them again but if you go into the video description they're there but i want to end by praying over you before we close tonight and then the details will come back up i speak upon you in this season Weeping has endured for a night. And now I command joy to come in the morning. I command your days of mourning to be over. I command the garment of praise to come upon you. In faith and in trust for his divine compassion, we invoke the compassion of the Lord in your direction. You will testify. You will come again in joy bearing your sheaves. I love you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I will see you tomorrow. Take care. And remember, we're fasting now, starting from today. If you if you were not aware and you, you ate too much today, that's fine. Uh, but we're, we're on a fast now. A person on Sunday at the Holborn Embassy on the 16th. Reverend Austin will be ministering to us virtually on one or two nights over the course of the next 12 days. So tune in. Uh, of course, I'll be with you for most of the other days. Uh, and from now till Saturday, we continue to unpack this doctrinally. So we have ammunition to pray with when we move into the last half of this. Bless you guys. Take care. Love you. Bye-bye.